Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. This week, we have Mr. Johnny Whitney from the Blood Brothers, from Neon Blonde, and from Jaguar Love. I know a lot of you guys remember Johnny from the uh, Blood Brothers, and that's uh, one of the main reasons I had him on is because I wanted to hear the story of how the Blood Brothers got together and what uh, inevitably ended the band and you know everything in between, and we definitely touched on all of that. Um, some great stories uh, from Johnny, and it was his actual first podcast interview he'd ever done, which was also awesome. So got to break him in that way, and uh, I think he did a great job. So super stoked to have him on the show today. I know uh, I want to get as much of it on Adobe as possible, so we're going to keep this intro short. I am so glad you guys are back with us week after week. Really glad to have you. We are on peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. So definitely check us out on the socials. Uh, hit me up at peerpleasurepod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, guest ideas, anything you want to say, just shoot it over to me on email and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, like I say, really glad to have you guys back week after week. The numbers keep getting better and uh, things are just you know going up and up. So super stoked to have Johnny on the show definitely check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the uh, Peer Pleasure Podcast. Join the Pleasure Seekers Club. Get yourself some merch. Um, we've got a lot of tiers for everyone, I think. We've got something for everyone on there, and it definitely helps keep the lights on, keeps the show rolling, and we're super, super stoked to have uh, that available. And so also, definitely, definitely, definitely check out jabberjawmedia.com check out the other shows on the network we've got a lot of awesome shit coming out and uh you know there's like 20 awesome shows on there so you can definitely spend some time on there getting to know the other shows uh as well as you know going through back episodes of this one and uh, everything's available on there for you so uh like i said we want to get as much as we can on adobe uh so we are going to keep this intro short super stoked to have this conversation let's get into it with johnny whitney from blood brothers Whitney from the Blood Brothers, Neon Blonde, Jaguar Love, a whole bunch of other stuff. Welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, and uh, good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have you done much podcast stuff before? Uh, no, this is actually my first podcast. Really? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't really um, been very active uh, in music or anything like that for for a couple of years, but uh, I'm a pretty avid podcast listener, so I'm pretty excited to be on your podcast nice well right on man well it's a pleasure to uh to have you on your first podcast i uh i i asked that question because i did i did a search just to see kind of and i do every once in a while to see if if people have been on other podcasts and kind of because i don't like to talk about the same things if i can help it and and um you know stuff that's been regurgitated over and over again and uh nothing really came up so i was i was curious on that but that's interesting to know. yeah i know Cool. Yeah, I mean the the like podcast thing kind of started happening a lot more after uh, I stopped being super active in music. So sure, yeah, okay. Well, the funny thing is, you've been requested so many times uh, on uh, for my show. Uh, just you know, listeners writing in like specifically, not even like a list, but like. Hey, could you get Johnny Whitney on the show, or or man, awesome. you should have Johnny on the show? And I was like, yeah, I, I should have Johnny on the show. So uh, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Well, uh, so you're down in the you're down in the Bay Area now, right? I am down in the Bay Area. Yes. Okay. So what what brought you? We'll get into some other stuff, but what brought you down to California from Seattle? Um, I got an opportunity to work at Netflix. Really. Uh, so I moved my family down here to do that. Yeah. Okay. How'd that come about? What are, What are you doing for Netflix? Or if you can't talk about it, that's cool too. I. Oh no no. Um. So I've just been doing uh, software engineering for the past um, seven years. Um. And uh, yeah, I just got an opportunity to come work down here. There's nothing. There's not really a a crazy story behind it. It's more just kind of just happened it's, and it's uh it's been great so far excellent excellent so yeah family you've got kids now i do yeah i have uh, i have four kids actually oh my god dude yeah congratulations yeah oh thanks <laughs> that's awesome i have three and uh it's a it's a wild ride dude yeah it's uh it's it's pretty crazy but it's it's really fun so man well, you and I have some similar, like, we used to run in some of the same circles, I think, from a distance, but uh, right. musically. And so with me being with Anatomy of a Ghost at the time, you were with Blood Brothers. We were all mm-hmm. kind of friends. We were friends with a lot of people in the, the Seattle scene, like Gatsby's and, and those guys. And, and uh, I think even Portugal ended up touring with Rocky, Vallado, and everyone's just like a really incestuous kind of Portland-Seattle kind of blending together. But uh, why yeah. well, I mentioned that, and I want to talk a little bit about this too, just because I've always been curious. But so we were going to do our second record uh, for Anatomy of a Ghost, and we had it booked out with John Goodmanson at Robert Lang, and mm-hmm. we were writing and writing and writing for this record. And Fearless hated the demos, and uh, we were just getting disgruntled at that time with with the label and everything else, and and uh, the band ended up ending, and then. When Crimes came out, we were told that, that we, of course, had the record, but didn't know the story behind it, but that it was with John Goodmanson at Robert Lang during that, I think, yeah. at the same time that we were going to be doing it. So I was like, wow, I'm glad something good came out of this. So I've always had kind oh, nice. of a special thing with that record because it's like, man, this would have sounded probably completely differently if this hadn't happened. And, and uh, yeah. What was what was that recording experience like? Did you get a call like out of nowhere where John was available, or or kind of how did that how did that all work out? Yeah, I think that um, I think Cody might have 
sort of made the connection. Um, I don't totally remember how we, we hooked up with him, but, you know, we've been a huge fan of, of like all of his work, um, in high school and, and growing up. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a super huge honor to be able to work with him. Um, and, uh, yeah, Robert Lang, like we did our, we did our last two records of Robert Lang, uh, both crimes and Yet machetes. And, uh, that place is awesome. I mean, it's just, it's like such a f- huge fun area. Um, I have nothing but awesome memories of, of both those recordings. Yeah. That's, I mean, we, we never went, like we never even saw it. Like we saw pictures and stuff and then, uh, you know, we knew a bunch of people that had recorded there and everything else and, and heard the stories about it. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I just, I recently was reading, um, one of the latest, like Kurt Cobain, uh, biographies. I think it's like heavier than heaven maybe, but, yeah. um, the last Nirvana song that was ever recorded, uh, you know, you're right. was recorded there. Wow. Is that the yeah. one that came out on that box set? Like they fought and fought yep. to get it out? Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating. It's crazy. And then yeah. to think about all the history in Seattle, you know, we we didn't we moved from Alaska to Portland because it was cheap. Like we wanted yeah. to go to Seattle, but we had friends in Portland and it was like half the price of Seattle at the time, which has completely changed. But yeah. it's funny it's these little things. Price, yeah. yeah, these little things just change the trajectory of, of our existence. It's wild yeah. to think about. But did you so Yeah, no, actually Go ahead. Sorry, John. I was gonna say, um, I think I met uh I met someone named Aaron Perino, who I think is like the cousin of the singer of Portugal the Man, maybe. Does that ring a bell at all? No. What what's the name? His name's Aaron Perino. He's like in this band called Sheila Divine. No, no. Okay, never mind. Doesn't, no one's sequitur. Doesn't ring a bell, but uh yeah, I know it was. Yeah, it was really weird at the end end there for us, where John was getting calls from like random, like Ben Gibbard gave him a call out of nowhere for to do whatever, and that's right before we broke up. And then Portugal, you know, started their deal, and and now the biggest band in the world. But uh, and uh, yeah. anyway, so but I wanted to jump back. So did you did you uh, bo- were you born and raised in Seattle or or the suburbs there? Yeah, I was born in in. Uh, in- well, in Bellevue, but I, I grew up in Kirkland. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I lived there. I lived in like the same house for for most of my uh, young life. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that it had. I mean, looking back on it, I feel like that, uh, especially now that I'm like I have kids and and I live somewhere that's like not very uh, pretty or like. Um, scenic. It really, it feels like that area had like a very profound effect on on like all of us. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it, it was such a great place to grow up, especially in you know I grew up in uh, I was a teenager in the '90s, so you know there was so much amazing music going on, and and you know in hindsight it didn't it doesn't even really it's hard to even comprehend like the amount of stuff that was going on then. Um, uh, just all the bands. It's, it's like, it's crazy. And when we stop and think about it, it's, it's kind of mind bending. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was a powder keg back then. I mean, everything was popping off and, and of course the CS, you were, you were in Seattle during the whole grunge thing and everything else where, or towards the tail end of it, at least where, you know, 
me being from Alaska, we missed all these bands and everything else. But yeah. I mean, would you say that uh, also having all ages venues around was a big deal for you guys as far as? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing. Um, you know, uh, we toured in Blood Brothers all over the place. And uh, I met so many young kids that that wanted to be musicians or were, you know, trying to start bands or, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And, and people always ask me, like, how did you, how did Blood Brothers start? Like, how did you guys, how did you guys make it work? How did you get to where you are right now? And, and my answer was always like, we just, we had a goal, right? Like we had these amazing all ages venues that were all over Mm -hmm. uh, where we lived. And so instead of like, doing stupid shit when we were teenagers, we had, you know, something awesome to try to, to try to, you know, we could like play a, play a venue. Like uh-huh. if we, if we started a band and, and practiced enough, um, you know, like there was something, it's, it's just, it's so much different when you are creating in a vacuum. Yeah. Um, and, and just meeting so many kids who, you know, like from, Knoxville, Tennessee, and and don't know, you know, like, when am I going to give my demo tape to like this bar? Like, what am I going to do? There's not really anywhere to to um, go and play for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just it just really, I mean, I grew up like getting to see like Jawbreaker when I was like 13 years old, like Sunday Day Real Estate, like all these amazing bands when they were starting would come and play. Uh, all ages venues around the, the Northwest, and it was just, um, it was it's such a treasured memory, and I, I feel so like so grateful for the people that that made all those those places happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, like I guarantee, had it not been for like places like the old Firehouse or Ground Zero or Velvet Elvis, like we would have never, we would have never, Lindsay would not have existed. Like, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And there's so Ground Zero. Ground Zero was in Bellevue. Is that like Rec Center kind of thing in Bellevue, right? Or was it like a? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it's right by like Bellevue Square. It's like, it was like yes. in Bellevue. Um, I, I don't know if it's still around, but. Oh my God! I used to go to Bellevue Square. We my grandparents lived in Seattle, so we'd come down from Alaska three times a <laughs> year, and I used to go play on that tugboat in in Bellevue yep. Square and, yep. and the yep. McDonald's with the brown tile and everything else before they remodel it, but. We saw Gatsby's yeah. American Dream, I think, at the at the Ground Zero, and they were had to almost stand on their amps. It was so packed. And uh, yeah, yeah, that place was awesome. And you guys did Jungle Rules at the Firehouse, right? Yeah. Okay, that's the first time I ever saw Blood Brothers actually like live action. Not, I wasn't at the show, but that DVD. Um, uh-huh. I I remember I saw you guys. Oh shit. I used to go to Powell's Books in Portland and buy these the like the hip magazines that were like five or five or six dollars a piece. They came out like three times a year, like skyscraper huh? or something. And you guys yeah. were featured in there and I was like, two singers, that sounds insane. And then yeah. I, I I checked it out and saw the the uh the DVD and because there's all this buzz that was going around Blood Brothers. So of course I checked it out and, and I was like, Man, this is absolutely crazy. And uh, then we ended up, you know, getting abandoned on tour uh, by our uh, manager at the time and got stuck in Colorado with this band called Fear Before the March of Flames. And mm-hmm. uh, they 
they were really young at the time, but it, I always I joked with Jordan about this once at a show, but uh, Fear Before used to refer to you guys as the Lord. And because you were their favorite band, like completely influenced them, like they would not be around without you guys. And I was like, man, they really love this band. I need to check more of this band out. And that's how I became a fan of the band was was through them being so incredibly <laughs> into it. But they would never say the name. It was always the Lord. And uh, it was absolutely hilarious. And, and uh, but that's I, pretty funny. <laughs> I text Adam today from Fear Before. I was like, dude. I, I'm going to bring up the Lord thing. He's like, all right, go ahead. Because <laughs> at the time, I'm sure it was funny. super I, embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, 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 we might have played with them in Colorado Springs, maybe. I have a memory of being in, like, heavy, heavy snow Yeah, in Colorado Springs. And uh, maybe it was Boulder. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway... But uh, so so growing up in in uh, Bellevue Kirkland area, I mean high school. What was high school like for you? Were you did you have were you kind of an introvert? Were you an extrovert? Um, you know, making friends easy or or how that how was that for you? Um, I feel like Seattle. I mean, all, all of my friends were introverts. Like, um, and and now that I live in California, um, I kind of it. it I, I see the type of like people that that like the Northwest sort of breeds, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it's. I think it's had something to do with it being like suicidally horrible weather for nine months out of the year. But like, uh, I feel like growing up in Seattle, I I lack some of the um, social skills that uh, that most people sort of develop naturally in a place where they can go outside. Um, but I mean, uh, in high school, like, I mean, I, it was, you know, we hung out with like the, it was just like 10 of us and we all hung out together and didn't talk to anybody else basically. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it was like, you know, so me and Jordan went to the same high school, um, Devin Welch, who was in, um, shoplifting and some of the other bands that I played with. Um, Hannah Bliley from the gossip, um, yeah, I mean, it was just, we were just like a real tight group of, uh, people. And we, you know, we played music. That was like what we did. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, I mean, it was pretty, we didn't really do anything else other than try to make music together and write songs and try to play shows. Mm -hmm. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty great. Well, who most who most inspired the band? And I know I know Devin. We used to work uh, at a club with him in Portland here as a door guy. And uh, oh? yeah, he's got like a he's got a store up here now called like No Wave or something like that, uh, or mm -hmm. Zero Wave. I don't remember what it's called. I'm gonna screw it up. But super super awesome guy. And I remember him mentioning you know being involved with you guys. But you know yeah. who 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 did you guys get inspiration from for for starting the Blood Brothers? And I mean it was extremely unique band i mean it was super primal and just super but you guys always seem so confident like the confidence i think is what really did it for people that may have been on the edge just seeing how much you believed in what you were doing and how confident you were on stage all of you i mean it was just a it was just a force yeah i think that um you know it's one of those things like we we 
we kind of almost started the Blood Brothers as like, um, I mean, it kind of started as a side project. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all in when we were like, I don't know, I guess 15. Um, we were all in bands that we took like a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw Cody at the old firehouse and he was like, looked relatively our age. And, and we kind of like recruited him, like just uh, apropos of nothing mm-hmm. uh, to like start a band with us. Um, and, and like immediately, like something was just different about it. Right. Like there was just, I think that it was like the fact that it was like a, a secondary thing we were doing mm-hmm. at the time. Like um, it just allowed us to like let our guard down a little bit and sort of just have fun and not take ourselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, like, so like right out of the gates, like our first couple shows, like uh, there was just a, a, like a much more like there was much more momentum behind, but and we could all feel it. Um, in in like the shows and you know just writing together and and like it was just more fun mm-hmm. um and I, I think it kind of like just sprung out of that um and so yeah speaking of Devin, he was he was the original guitar player in the blood brothers so okay um uh he he was like i mean to, to all of us uh he was kind of like the i don't know he's a genius like he's he's one of the most talented people i've ever ever worked with in my entire life. Um, and, uh, you know, he just approaches everything with, with a stance of like, it's, it's always has to be uniquely something that he does. Um, Mm. and I think that we all kind of like, he was very, I don't want to say intimidating, but like we all kind of like, he set, he set the, the bar really high for everybody. Um, and, and I think that in hindsight, like that had a lot to do with, um, like, you know, where we started with a, like where the, the starting line was, um, in terms of like, you know, bands we were inspired by, I mean, like, you know, we, there was so much awesome shit happening. Uh, when we started the band, there was like botch was starting, mm-hmm. Bird city devils were starting. Um, you know, there's, they had the prophet, no Lord shall live like carp, like America go on and on and on and on. There was just, there was just awesome shit happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was great. Right. It was just a great time to, to be alive. Um, and, uh, and, and in terms of like, I mean, we, we kind of like literally lifted the idea of, of having a band with two singers from, um, this band called area 51, which was, uh, Spencer uh, from Motor City Devils and Andrea, who was later in Pre Devils uh, Make Graves, uh-huh. um, they they were they were like dual singers, and they put out this amazing, like fucking incredible seven inch, um, and that was kind of like we we just kind of like stole the idea from that, um, okay. and then and then made it our own. Um, yeah, man, you guys, I mean. And where did you where did you find your voice? I mean, the, the I mean, talking to you and I've I've we've met maybe twice, and it was like randomly at like a show, didn't know each other. It was like, hey, how you doing? I think I ran into you at a Target once in Portland. Um, at the Target, at tar- I was working at Target briefly after after the band ended because I needed to make money, uh-huh. so I got a job real quick, and and that was an easy spot yeah. to get it. And I think 
I don't know. It it may have been. Oh, I don't remember. I it was I was totally random. I was just it was one of those things where I was like, holy shit, because uh, yeah. it wasn't at a show and it was in Portland. It wasn't in Seattle, and uh, yeah, I don't remember what it was. It, what what happened? But I I remember it happening. But uh, I've been known to frequent a Target from yes, time to time. So it's very possible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, but finding your voice as far as I mean, talking to you, you sound nothing at all like you do on a record and yeah was that a natural thing like you just like i'm gonna start screaming and this is how it sounds or is something it seems like something that that took some time and it's but it's very calculated it's not it's from what it seems like to me is it's more calculated than chaos like it's very planned out (laughs) does that make sense no it is that's that's an astute observation i mean yeah it is it is rather calculated um, I think it started, a lot of it started from like, we just never really spent the money to buy like a good PA. Uh-huh. Um, like when we were like really, really young, like in high school, so it's that like part of like the, the like abrasiveness has, has something to do with that. Like just trying to hear the sound of my voice over like loud, um, guitars and drums and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um so i mean it started with like you know we were really into like metal and super screamy sort of music like you know the locust um all that kind of stuff that was happening Mm -hmm. um in the late 90s um and then like uh i just you know i think i was never like a huge at the driving fan but i was always like really really impressed at um Cedric's voice uh-huh. like I, I remember hearing that first Mars Volta record and just like really being blown away and like uh it kind of made me want to be like take take what I was doing like more seriously mm-hmm. I guess uh-huh. um so I just like I, I started taking voice lessons like shortly after Burn Piano Island Burn and I just like would practice scales and like voice exercises like an hour a day for like i don't know seven years straight um Jesus. and uh i mean well i had a lot of free time on my hands right yeah. like, yeah. we were able to we were able to to, to eke out uh, a living um for a long time uh and so there's a lot of there's a lot of, i have a lot less free time now than i did then i'll put it that way yeah um and so you know uh it was very it was, like I can hear the calculation. Like when I listen back to to some of our older songs, especially like in Crimes, um, where it's like this, like I don't know, like I can tell, I can hear that I I don't, I'm not really sure what I'm doing, but like I I am hearing it in a certain way in my head. Like I can hear, I can hear what I'm trying to do in hindsight, and it's kind of like. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 a it's hard to um it's always hard to hear the sound of your own voice, but like yeah. When you know yourself, like it's it's sometimes easy to hear certain things sure. in, in the way you're performing or whatever. Um but yeah, I mean I just you know, especially especially in the later years, like I just you know, I just was pushing and pushing and pushing and and um I don't know what I was trying to, like, what the end goal was, but 
but yeah, I, I uh, you know, and, and then there was, um, there was a period of, I'm sure that like a lot of people that came to our shows in the later years remember like, uh, like I, I would lose my voice a lot, like, and, and, um, it happened for about two years straight where like we would, we would start a tour and then within like five days I would start to like, my voice would just start to go. And like, I would, I, I, in hindsight, I feel like I was like suffering from like a lot of depression, um, and, and insomnia and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was like, you know, sleeping like an hour or two every night just because it was just like, had so much anxiety about like, you know, canceling a show because you lose your voice sucks a lot, you know, like yeah. you're literally like letting everybody down, um, that you're traveling with. And, and it's just like, it's such a, for me, it was like, just so every time we had to do that, or we had to like play a, a shortened set, um, it was like just crushing to me. Um, especially towards the end, like, uh, it was, it was like a really, I didn't really know what to do. Like, I didn't know how to fix it. Like, I, you know, I was trying everything. Um, and then when the band broke up <laughs> and like, um, we started doing Jaguar Love, uh, I never lost my voice again. Um, oh, and, shit. and I definitely like, I definitely lived much, much more extreme. Um, just in terms of like the, the pace of touring and like the physical strenuousness I was putting my body through. Uh, -huh. uh and so, you know, in hindsight, it's pretty obvious that it was like some sort of, you know, it had something to do with, with depression or something psychosomatic. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't get over. Um, but it, it was, it was the strangest thing. Like it just, I kept waiting for it to happen again, uh, when we would do tours with Jaguar 11, it just never, it just never happened. It was, it was crazy. Interesting. That So <laughs> did that depression creep up during blood brothers or is that something you struggled with your whole life? That anxiety and that? No. Yeah. I mean, I've struggled with anxiety. I think, you know, not, not in a crippling way, but I mean, there's something about, and, and I have a perspective on this that I think is, I mean, it's, it, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been doing sort of non-artistic work for about seven years now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's just, it's really obvious, like right off the bat, right. That like living as a musician is like, one of the most self-serving ways to live your life, right? Like you, you literally have, um, like two and a half hours every day where you have to do something. Yeah. And like the rest of the day, it's, it's like pretty much up to you. Like you can sit around backstage and eat hummus, or you can like go explore whatever city you're in or, you know, you can do all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, uh, it was just, it was just hard for me, um, to, to sort of have that role where it's like, this is so like, you know, you, you can't really force a career in music. You can't force like stability and you can't force like, um, 
I don't know. Like it, it's it's hard to, to. I mean, for me, it was like I was it was around like twenty five, twenty six when it started happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, I didn't really know. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And like, uh, I, you know, like obviously we we had like a lot of success in what we were doing, but it was like, I feel like um, there's always this thought, at least for me in the back of my head of like, how, how is this going to work? Like when I'm older, um, how, you know, like, uh, it's kind of like the, the time that we, you know, you and I, I'm assuming we're like around the same age, like, uh, grew up in, it's like, we, we, we witnessed like, um, the music industry, like just completely imploding. Right. Like, so, so we have the perspective of like growing up and seeing that, like, you know, there is like this, this small quintile of like people that can like actually make a living, um, playing music. Um, and like, uh, like basically for me, it was like, I committed myself to something and then it's sort of, you know, the the ground turned to quicksand when we were like, it was too late to go back. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, I never wanted to be like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but you know, I just, I didn't, I wanted to, I wanted it to be something bigger, I think, than, than it was ever really going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, uh, I think that that, I mean, it's a lot of reflection. Like, I feel like that for me, that was one of the things that, that broke the band up eventually was that like, um, I, I couldn't just enjoy the fact that it was this weird, fucked up, like amazing thing. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I think I wanted this to like, in the back of my mind, like I wanted this to be the killers or something fucking stupid like that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just, it was just really, it's really hard to like, to, to plan, I'm sure you know this, like, you know, to plan a life around something that's, like, ephemeral, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's really amazing now, but, like, you know, I don't I don't want to... You sacrifice so much, right? Like, you sacrifice um, college or, like, you know, anything that would, like, help you do something other than music later in your life, mm-hmm. like, you have to, like... You have to push away friends, family, like, you know, I I pretty much, I mean, I tell people now, like in my twenties, like I hung out with like the same five people, like for like 10 years. Right. Like, you don't really, I mean, you see new people every single day, but like, you don't really, it's, it's, it's hard to like have any kind of social life when, when you're on tour for like eight to nine months out of the year. Sure. Um, so it was like all those things, like it, it kind of just started building and building and building. And then like between, um, between, I think like towards the end of like touring with crimes and then like, um, you know, right off the bat with young machete is like, it just, it just became really, really hard to like, to be in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, uh, yeah, like it just started, not being, being like physically being able to do it, um, which sucks. Cause like, I mean, when I think back on it now, like, uh, you know, listening back to that record, I'm like, dude, this record is fucking awesome. Yeah. 
question. I'm like, what were you being such a baby about? <laughs> like, this is like, you know, I'm like, so I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I'm so proud of like what we did. And, and like, that's like definitely, definitely, I think like the pinnacle of like our artistic relationship together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also like the time when we were getting along the least well right like we were just always it wasn't fun but but the end result i think is like you know i'm like i'm just it's 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 like my favorite thing we ever did yeah that man that and i agree with you there that that record i mean it just sounded it sounded like that's where you guys figured out who you were you know it it sounded so it, I mean, it it's definitely stands out from the pack. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. It's just it's, and I know I had that special affinity to it because it was kind of attached somehow. But at the same time, I mean, everything from the tones to the to the just the overall sound of the record. I mean, it just sounded like and the songwriting. It just sounded like you guys just finally clicked. Like there's this ferocity and this craziness and leading up to it, and like then this big big hype push after uh, burn piano and burn. And then you guys just got it. Like, okay, it's almost like when you're heading up that hill and then you finally, your transmission shifts into the right gear and then you're just cruising, but you're, you're still picking up speed, but it's smooth. Like it just makes sense. Like it's the, the, um, that's how I, that's how I, you know, look at that record is, is wow. They, they figured it out, you know? And, and, Hmm. uh, I mean, you guys did so many things. I mean, and, and then like recording with Ross Robinson, like, and, and, and the time was, we are about the same, we're back, we're like less than a year apart. Um, I'm 35. And, uh, I mean, Ross was known for doing like the slip knots and corn and everything else. And then it's like, uh, blood brothers are recording with Ross Robinson on this record. And, and I mean, how did that all come about? I mean, it, with- I mean, that's, that's one of the craziest things that has ever happened to me. Um, just like the, <laughs> But, well, I mean, just in terms of, like, how the likelihood of that not happening is so much greater than the likelihood of it happening. Of course. Um, and it was so transformative uh, for us in terms of, like, going from a band that, um, you know, did our first two tours on, in a $4,000 van that Jordan bought with his trust fund money, right, to, like, actually being able to, you know eat and like <laughs> have yeah. not shitty sounding equipment like i mean it was it was crazy it was totally crazy but i mean i like i literally um ross picked our cd out of a bag of hundreds of cds and it just happened to be the one that he listened to and and it clicked with him and and everything happened from there like he could have fumbled and like picked a different cd yeah. and my entire life would be completely different. Like, no exaggeration. Um, so it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't know, it's it's like kind of scary to think about sometimes when you're like, wow, that may not have happened. Um, so like what happened was like, uh, this guy, there's this band called Amen um, that Ross recorded. Yes. Um, I know who that and is. And the singer... Yeah, the singer, I don't know how the singer uh, had heard of us, uh, but he did. And he, like, I mean, like I said, he 
gave our CD to Ross, or it was like a this adultery's right. In in like a bag of of dozens of other CDs, um, and uh, and he, you know, we got an email one day out of the blue from like some company called like Freeze Management. Like, what is this shit? Like, I remember <laughs> like we we were like we're like yeah, we got this weird email in our band email account. Like, whatever, um, and we ignored it for a couple weeks or so, and then they emailed back, and they're like, no, this is for real. Like, we really. I don't even think any of us really knew who Ross Robinson was, to be honest, at the time. <laughs> like, we didn't, um, it just wasn't on our radar, like that, that kind of music. Yeah. Um, and, and it was like right after, I mean, it was like right when at the drive, I mean, we, we heard of them throughout the drive-in. Okay. Um, uh, but like, um, yeah, so like we didn't really know, you know, there was some reticence to like, get into bed with a big label, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was all happening at the, you know, I think we had already recorded March on Electric Children or either we had already recorded or we were like about to record it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we, we met Ross and, and we really clicked with him. Um, we really, you know, he's just such a like generous, like kind person. And, and so, genuine um and and honest right um it was you know he was unlike any person that we've ever worked with um like no doubt no doubt about it um and you know he he started flying people out to our shows um like i remember we played this show um at like a um a bar in vancouver that was like a was like a drag queen night uh-huh. that was happening. Um, <laughs> and we were supposed to headline and then they, they like chartered a jet or like Ross and, uh, I think some people from Virgin, I want to say, they chartered a jet up to this like <laughs> drag queen night in Vancouver. And, uh, they had to leave super early. So they were like, um, you know, can you guys play first? Um, even though like you're supposed to headline the show, and there was some drama around that and like um that ended up not working out and and so like he you know he tried to get us signed to a couple of different labels uh-huh. um before we settled on uh well it was like it was it, it was like he made a deal i think uh like a production deal maybe with with artist direct i'm having some hard time remembering exactly how it happened but um it, it ended up working out with artists direct and and um that was who put out Duncan Allen Burn. Yeah. Um and it was just like, you know, I mean it's it's hard to describe like the feeling of of uh just really going from like not not knowing you know if this thing is gonna really work out mm-hmm. um to like having you know, people support you monetarily. It was, it was crazy. Um, and they let us do whatever we want. You know, they spent like about a million dollars on that record. Um, and it's, and it's like, it's, if you like step back and think about it, like it's pretty insane that, 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 that a label like that, they were putting out, like they put out like badly drawn boy that year. Um, artist directed, um, they put out a cure record that year. Um, 
it was like a you know it was like uh they were tr- they were blowing a lot of money on yeah. their label and yeah. and um you know that record is fucking insane <laughs> like i mean it, <laughs> like it's it's it's, it's uh, i i don't know i haven't I, you know i listened to it like recently for the first time in a long time and it just it's like i i don't even you know we played those songs over and over again um and and they developed a life of their own uh after the record came out through touring but like listening to to like the production quality and just like how how many layers upon layers upon layers there are of 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 ideas <laughs> like yeah. i mean it's just it's just crazy like like and the fact that it it came out on a major label that they like supported us for as long as they did and like let us do, I mean, they didn't, you know, we got no bullshit from anybody. Like, I, I don't know if it was because they just trusted intrinsically what Ross was going to do. Uh-huh. Um, or if they just, you know, we just went on the radar. I have no idea, but like, um, the, you know, at the time, I mean, the, the, it would be weird now if that record came out, but you know, in 2003 or whatever, when it came out, there was that, that level of palatability at palatability, um, in like mainstream music was much, much less. Right. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, it's just one of those things that's just, it's really like thinking back on it. I, I cannot believe that it happened. That's um, insane. A million dollars back then too. A million dollars like this. That's just yeah. outrageous. And I mean, it's funny yeah. you, you brought up the killers earlier. Like you wanted to be the killers. I think that was, that was funny to me because back then, like you knew who a blood brothers fan was walking down the street. Like you guys had so much influence on the scene. And I mean, the scene itself, I don't even think it was referred to as the scene until, you know, you guys hit because it's, it's the influence, both fashion, uh, just, I mean, the style alone took a a life of its own to where you walk down the street and you could pick out a blood brothers fan and you could not pick out a killers fan. You know what I mean? Or (laughs) even a band that big as the killers doesn't have the, the, the street level influence that you guys did. I mean, did you guys see that? I mean, was it weird you know, after that all hit, so Burn Piano Island Burn comes out, shit's getting huge. Your magazines, everything. I mean, that's when I really started to see things coming out, and it was it was always that mm-hmm. story like Ross Robinson, blah blah blah, Ross Robinson, blah, blah blah. But then the record stood on its own. Of course, it was fucking fantastic. But then seeing things change, especially with the internet getting bigger, Sidekicks coming mm-hmm. out. I mean, like uh, MySpace, seeing that influence of just being who you are transferring over to all these other people i mean was that just weird as hell i mean um it was it was not i mean like we were so atomic um in terms of like our exposure to to the outside world i mean it didn't really it it all happened in a very natural way right Mm -hmm. like it wasn't like overnight we went from playing to five people to playing for like a thousand people, mm-hmm. right? Like it just, it, you know, when we were really, really big, we were still, you know, going to Tulsa, Oklahoma and playing for 50 people, right? Like mm-hmm. there, it was, there wasn't like this, um, 
you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as crazy as it seems when you think back and like look at it from a 360 degree view. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we were always like really focused on what we were doing and like, it was, you know, touring is fucking hard. Like, especially when you're driving yourself around the country, um, it's, it's kind of like all consuming. Um, and you know, we didn't have, there's no phones back then. Right. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't like sit in van and, you know, watch a movie on your phone. Right. Like, uh, it was like a lot of, it was a very, you know, we were really removed from everything. And, and like, um, we just, you know, we were like our own unit. Um, and, uh, so, so it was, it was, it was really easy to kind of like miss what was going on. Like, I remember the first time that we went to, um, the first time we went to England, uh, we had this, this really amazing, um, guy who, who was helping us out, who was working for our direct name, Rob Marcus, who just mm-hmm. like sold the fuck out of our band to, to the UK press. Um, and we had never, you know, we had some inkling of like, what it was going to be like, but, but like we literally got off the plane, like the first time any of us have ever been to the UK and, and this guy from the label, um, Rob Marcus just hands us like a phone book sized, um, binder of like all of the press that he's like gotten us oh <laughs> you know, for this tour. I mean, it was, it was, you know, like we had no idea, like, cause we don't, you know, we didn't really follow music press at all. Um, and, uh, you know, we're kind of like nomads. Um, so, so that was really, that was really crazy. Um, so we would get like, you know, it would come in bursts like that. Yeah. And having that, that kind of money behind it too. I mean, definitely how, I mean, I remember seeing the major label thing, but like artists direct, they, they're no longer right. I mean, that's, I'm, Oh no, no. Yeah. They went bankrupt. Like, okay. Wow. We were, so, I mean, we, uh, so, we never got to go to Japan. Yeah. Um, and we never got to go to Japan because we had a, <laughs> we had a tour schedule that, that artist Trek had set up for us. Um, and they were bankrupt like a month before we were supposed to go uh-huh. and pulled all the funding for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like the promoters, like that's like, what we were told is that that's like a, a, a huge, um, no, no. Right. So like they, like literally no one would ever book us in Japan after that. Um, I mean, whatever, like boohoo, I did get to go to Japan, whatever, yeah. but like, it's still <laughs> like, it's still, you know, it's a funny story. Like, like we just never, you know, like bands that were not, at the same level as what we were doing, we're going there all the time and we just couldn't get anybody to like bring us out there at all. Yeah. Um, because artist strike went bankrupt, you know? Um, and, and, you know, that, that happens. Um, that happened with, uh, with, we were later, like after we were, after our strike went bankrupt, we, um, signed a V2 and then they went bankrupt. Like, I think maybe four months after Young Machetes came out. Oh my god! Um, yeah, that was kind of that was a that was a huge bummer. Yeah, 
from one to the other and both go under. It's it's yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, crazy. it was that was the time when all that. I mean, that was not an uncommon thing. Yeah, yeah. Everything was still trying to. I mean, everyone was still trying to figure everything out and and find the right formula. I mean, did you were you yeah. guys approached by some big uh, indies that maybe you turned down or or uh, that may. I mean, in hindsight, have been a better choice, or what, was that kind of what you guys were presented with? Were these these big opportunities? Um, I don't, you know, honestly, I do not remember. Okay. <laughs> so, I um, when we signed to Artist Direct, we definitely didn't have, you know, people beating down our door at all. Sure. Um, after Burn Piano and Burn. I don't, you know, I was always super removed from the business side of like what was going on in our band. Mm -hmm. We kind of just, you know, left that to other people. So I don't, I don't really remember. I feel like there probably was, but, um, but we, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why, why we did, why we, you know, ended up on, on V2 other than it was just a, you know, it's probably just a good deal. I don't I honestly don't remember. Sure, sure, and I I understand absolutely. And this is such a cool thing because we're talking so many years later after everything has happened, and you know, yeah. both fathers. We don't do music anymore very much. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure on, on your end. I would want to talk about that a little bit too. Is what you're doing now? If you're doing any music at all, but you know, being able to be removed from it, look back on those days, and and enjoy what's happening now as well, because there's still a lot of really good stuff happening now, but. Yeah, um, I mean, when yeah. you stopped doing music, was that like an overnight decision? Was it situational where, you know, first baby comes and like, hey, I want to spend time with this person? Um, so when when we did um, when we did the last Jaguar Love record, um, Hologram Jams, it was like I kind of just told myself, like, I'm, I'm going to go all in on this. Um, and I'm going to completely devote myself to like doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it doesn't work, uh, it's going to be time to figure something else out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was, I mean, I don't know if you followed like what we were doing at all in that band, but, um, it was fucking like, I, I kind of can't believe the, the like balls we had to like, try what we were trying like um so like we we started the band with um this like super amazing musician uh jay clark who was in um pretty girls make graves mm -hmm. and and we did you know we did um one record uh with him in the band um and he's like a you know i don't know if you've ever heard pretty girls make graves but he's like he was a guitar player in that band but oh, he's yeah. also like oh yeah He's one of those dudes that he fucking, he just does, he can do anything, mm -hmm. right? So he, you know, he plays the drums in the band and he's just like a fucking maniac, like so good, right? But mm -hmm. it just did, it just didn't really work out. Um, and, and like I, you know, I did that, that uh, Neon Blonde record with um, drum programming and like I kind of just wanted to, like I felt like I didn't really, I didn't really achieve what I would like really wanted to do with mm -hmm. that record because it was just, it was like, so just done in between doing blood brothers stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so it just felt like, um, when, when we decided to, to stop playing with Jay, like 
you know, let's like revisit this idea and see if like we can make something that's like, you know, super, um, like, like a, like an early Prince record or something like that. That's what I like wanted it to be like. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we had this tour, um, scheduled, uh, in Australia, uh, for this festival called Soundwave Festival. Oh, yeah. that, that we had we had booked, um, uh, you know, based on the idea that we were a band with Jay in it, and that like you know, it was it was off of the 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 previous record, which was like a lot different sounding, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so um, we stopped playing with him, and then we had like three weeks to figure out like what we were going to do. Um, and we were like, you know, going to be supporting Nine Inch Nails, which, uh, was, it was fucking insane. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, uh, like just this like crazy opportunity and we're like, well, what are we going to do? Right. Like, we don't want to like, we've already bought the tickets to go. Yeah. Um, Australia is awesome. And like, we get to open for Nine Inch Nails. Um, so like we literally just Cody and I just like hunkered down at my house and like we reworked like five songs that we had played with Jay uh-huh. with uh drum machine and then just wrote a bunch of new songs um and and figured out how to like perform live with um a laptop which is like terrifying right yeah. um yeah. <laughs> and like you know, like just threw this thing together and then like fucking like the first time we ever played live was like two days after getting off the plane, um, in Australia. And then like our third show doing it was like in front of thousands of people with nine inch nails, like, (laughs) you know, like, um, it's not uncommon, like playing with a laptop to like have the laptop stop making sounds. Right. Yeah. So, so we're like, fuck, like, you know, it was just nerve wracking. It was like terrifying. Like, what are we going to do if like this fucking laptop just like <laughs> stops working in the middle of our set? Like while we're playing, you know, in front of all these Australian people. Um, yeah. So that was like, I mean, so, so that's how it started. Like with um, the last Jaguar Love record and like, you know, there's just something, it's, it's like, uh, it's kind of tragic in a way. Um, because like when I think back on, on like the chemistry that, that we had in blood brothers and like, though it was like, it was really, really hard at times to like be in the band because of like, we were all so close mm-hmm. and like, we were all like at, at each other's throats a lot of the time, um, like it was magic, right? I mean, it was just like, it was something that you couldn't like plan. Um, and then when you go and like try to start a new thing after like this other thing that has chemistry that's been building up over a decade and like just kind of happened organically, it just doesn't really, it's, it's, I don't know that it's really possible to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so like I approached doing the last Jaguar love record, like I'm going to like do, you know, I had a baby, um, on the way 
and like we were in this sort of desperate like you know we we like painted ourselves into a corner mm-hmm. right like uh and so like we we just like you know we went at it we wrote like 20 songs and like really committed ourselves to it and like um we're really like fucking like super excited about what we were doing um and it just didn't work out like it just wasn't um you know the shows were like not as well attended as like you know the ones before and then we just kept going you know trying to make it work and and like sometimes you just gotta like know when it's time to move on right like um and and it was like it was it was easily the hardest thing i've ever had to do right like um when you i mean i was i think i was like 20 28 maybe when we when we decided to like I mean, we didn't ever like officially call it quits, but it was like me and Cody were, we got done with the tour and we were just like, we need to, we need to figure something else out for a while. Cause it's just, isn't like, we're kind of beating a dead horse here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I had no idea what to do. Um, I, you know, I had never had like a nine to five, um, in my life. Right. Like, and uh, I didn't have, you know, how do you find a job when, like, what you've been doing is, like, driving around the country in a van for, like, 10 years? Like, it was it was terrifying. Um, and, you know, I had a new baby. And, like, um, you know, we did we did the uh, Crystal City, like, the T-shirt company for a while yeah, afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh Yeah. Side note, like, we, like, kind of a funny story, like, um, so we were kind of like, um, we were, like, when we decided to stop doing Crystal City, like, uh, we just kind of, like, sold everything that we had, right, on the website. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was, like, not very computer, (laughs) computer savvy at the time, um, and we were just busy, right, like, uh, with, trying to figure out what the fuck to do, Mm -hmm. uh, with our lives, like me and uh, my wife. Um, and, uh, we like our, um, like our, our website, like we, we, uh, like the, the subscription with GoDaddy like ran out, Mm -hmm. like, and we didn't really even know it. And then somebody poached the domain, but like, we didn't, like, I just woke up one day and like, was like, Oh, check the website. And somebody had set up, like, if you go to Christian City Clothing now, it's, like, um, this Christian, like, T-shirt company. Like, somebody <laughs> just bought the domain and, like, saw that it had, like, tons of SEO and, like, uh, just set up shop with this, like, shitty Christian T-shirt store. Uh-huh. Um, which is, like, I mean, that it just really sticks in my craw. Like, I, you know, it, it would have been nice to, like, just at least keep the domain and, like, leave it as a place like i mean we made like i don't we made so many shirts like so many t-shirt designs mm-hmm. like it would have been cool to just like have it like you know to, sh- to show like the designs yeah but now it's somebody bought it <laughs> somebody <laughs> bought it and set up a fake store the worst um, possible person <laughs> yeah um anyways yeah so 
Yeah, like I, you know, I didn't really know. Um, I didn't really know what to do, right? Like I didn't know, you know. I, I thought about going back to school, um, and then uh, we were just kind of like randomly, randomly like trying to get information from like friends and like get advice or whatever. Um, and you know, I was thinking about going to school for computer science, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Amy randomly like emailed her old roommate from. Um, from like when we met, like, you know, when she was in her twenties yeah. and he, uh, he has his own, he has his own like web dev company and, and like, he just basically offered to like take me in as an intern. Um, and so like, that's how I started. Um, and I just, uh, you know, learned, learned the trade that way. And like, that's what I've been doing for the past, I don't know, since like 2010. Um, wow. and, uh, yeah. And it's been, I mean, it's been really, it's, it's really interesting to like go from like, you know, like I was saying, like having a very self-serving life, mm-hmm. um, like just doing music and like being involved in like the business of like creativity all day long, um, to like doing something that's like intensely logical and is more like problem solving. Um, it's, it's like, a it, it requires this, like, it's like, I don't know. I feel like creativity is, is always, it's, it's kind of like trying to solve a problem, but there's never really a solution, right? Uh-huh. There's always a different way you can, you can make something right. But, um, it's, it's just, it's an interesting, like, uh, parallel to like writing code where there's always, you know, there is a right way to do something. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, and it's it's like really great. I mean, like my relationship with music is like so much better now that I don't do it as like the way that I eat food, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, like I really like I, I don't know. I just really appreciate it so much more. Um, like I I feel like I I don't know. Maybe I'm an asshole. I have no idea. But like uh, it, I feel like in hindsight, it's hard to. It was hard for me to listen to music without making it about me <laughs> when I was, when I was in a, uh, a band, uh-huh. um, like thinking about like, this is good, but like, how does it relate to what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's sort of like, I feel like I wasn't really enjoying it anymore. Um, and, and getting away from that and having some distance from like trying to make a living as a musician. Like I just, it's just, I've, I've just rekindled my love with it. Right. Um, yeah. and so, so that's been awesome. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I've been able to do a couple things like over the past couple of years, like there's this band called Arsenal. Um, that's, uh, they're like, uh, they're a Belgian band. Uh-huh. Um, they're like extremely, extremely big in Belgium. Like they play stadiums in Belgium. Oh my God. Um, um, I had never, like, I hadn't heard of them before, but, like, right right at the time that, like, Jaguar Love was sort of winding down um, one of the people in, in the, so they're like this, like, it's kind of like Basement Jacks, mm-hmm. where, like, they um, they write music and they have guest singers, like, on their whole record, right? Okay. Um, and uh, so they just, like, contacted me out of the blue, and, and it was, like, one of those things I didn't really know 
that much about it. Um, but they sent me some music and, and it was like kind of cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I ended up doing like four songs with them, um, over the past like couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've gotten to go out and like perform with them, um, for some of the like festivals and stuff that they've done. Um, so like, it's been mostly like that kind of stuff. Like I don't, you know, I, I it's, I'm kind of in a different stage of my life right now. I can't really, I don't really have a lot of, a lot of time to like write music, but like, I, I feel like that there's something, there's going to be like a point in the next couple of years where I'll do something. Sure. Um, I don't really know what it is yet, but like, you know, the, the, like the desire is still there. Like, it's just not the time for me to do it right now. Sure. Do you find that, I mean, this, this sounds, uh, I don't know how to put it. I, I, do you find that everything's so much more, even the simplest things are just become more lush just because you know, the what ifs, you know, like we've traveled the world, right. Playing music, doing, you know, what we set out to do. And 99% of the population has not done that and wishes they had done something when they were younger or, you know, oh man, I really wish I bailed on college and just tried for this. You know, there's all these yeah, what ifs totally. and to not yeah. have those, it just seems like the most freeing thing. I mean, just being at the park with your kids, like, you know, you're not looking at your kids like, man, what would happen if I didn't have kids? You know mm-hmm. what happened if you didn't have kids, you know, you've been there. Yeah. Like, it's so much yeah. more rewarding, I think. Do you feel that same way? Yeah. No, I feel like the, like the experience that, that I was lucky enough to have is like totally shaped the way that I look at the world now. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you know, I, I got to do something uh, in my 20s that was like, I mean, it's like a, it seems like a dream now when I think back to it. It's like yeah. completely... Um, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And it, and I have this experience because I, I, you know, um, I work with people that obviously know of like this other life that I used to have and, and like describing it to them. It's like, I don't know. I just, I feel like so fortunate whenever I, whenever I talk about it to like have had that, you know, sure. it's like, yeah, I know, I know what, um, you know, all the truck stops in Arkansas look like, and I've also been to Switzerland and New Zealand, right? Like, um, you know, it's, it's like a, it's just, it's just a nice, yeah. It's just, it's like a, it's a great like framing. Um, and it's, it's like very grounding, um, to have had like all that traveling, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Man. You're a fascinating individual, Johnny. I mean, seriously, I mean that, and uh, I think you should. I think you should pen a memoir. I think it would do well. I, you've got, you've been through some interesting things, very interesting things, been thrust into some amazing situations, and ran with it. You know, like it's a really. I, I still feel it's a rare thing. You know, I, I mean, you. Those, no, it's, those, to- it's yeah. It's it's like unexplainable, right? Like I just don't. It has a momentum of its own, like yeah. the the like the Blood Brothers and like what we were able to do. Um, I have tried. You know, it's like the thing where like you try, like everything you really want to do, everything you really try to do, never really it never really works out. But like the thing that you 
just end up doing ends up like <laughs> having a momentum of its own. Exactly. Right? Like, I know exactly what you're um, talking about. You know, I've like tried to, you know, I've tried to force things creatively and like things that I really, really want. It's like, it never, like you kind of just have to let it happen yeah. and take on a life of its own. And it doesn't, it doesn't exist on your schedule. <laughs> it's just kind of like, you know, when when it happens, it happens, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, it's it's crazy, especially like especially having kids and like explaining, trying to explain to them, like you know, what I did, right? And like, there's a there's a Googleable record of like a lot of the stuff that I did, and <laughs> and like you know, um, see, experiencing it through them is like crazy i mean it's just like they don't really at first it's like they don't know what to do with it and then it's like uh yeah i think actually you know i think they still don't know what to do with it i don't know <laughs> it's like um yeah i mean it's just it's 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 crazy yeah it's it, it you think about it i mean so now you know the what ifs right and and so you're you're on this other plane of existence now where you can look at everything through a very clear lens versus something that's always got this thing behind you like what what would have happened i mean but then you find out too that even if you weren't i mean you're not just a cd in a bag you know like if it was a different one of those cd's your life would be completely different but you'd be the same person you know what i mean like you you but you you had the opportunity to take take those uh, blinders off and see the world and do your thing and and uh, I mean it's just invaluable what you learn out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. for I've got, Europe, I have no regrets. Yeah, I left for Europe with twenty bucks in my pocket the last time I did that on tour. Like that's what yeah. I had, and I was like, okay, I need to survive now, you know. And and but the lives you've touched with what you've done, I mean, you've got lifelong lifelong fan base i mean you've you've probably saved some lives from what you've created as far as you know music helping people get through things and i say this a lot because i really do feel this way that you know some bands you know being who they are save some lives i mean i really oh yeah that. totally and absolutely it's huge i mean and that that cd being pulled out of that bag you know that that really put it over the edge i mean it was just this monumental change it's just so crazy how small it is you know yeah yeah no it's i mean it's it's just yeah it's it's crazy for those reasons it's also crazy like i mean i find i run into this all the time when i when i meet new people that i have to you know not have to but like i get to explain about the band and and they you know people that have no you know um they don't they don't have like the perspective or like the you know they don't they don't know very much about music like Mm -hmm. trying to explain like what what we even sounded like and then like thinking about it in the scope of like what was going on in like the mid 2000s and and, like late 90s and stuff it's like i just can't it's like you couldn't have written it it doesn't it doesn't make sense like it doesn't if you had explained it to me, like as a fifteen-year-old, I would be like, "I don't, I doubt that that will happen." That seems like extremely unlikely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's 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 absolutely outrageous, and 
come and and when things winded down, you know, before YouTube became huge, it's not something you can go YouTube and find, you know, seven thousand videos of the same song live and oh, this was us playing in here and this was us playing here, you know, that's one thing mm -hmm. that I'm kind of bummed about is getting out of it before then to where I can't just be like, Oh yeah, oh here's ten videos you can watch, you know, like to kind of document yeah. let the world document your life versus yourself. But Yeah. You know Yeah, we were we were all really terrible at like saving flyers and like you know taking pictures like i got so jaded after like the fifth time of touring around the country that i just like i just stopped bringing a camera right so i have like yep. i have like tons of pictures from like 2000 um and then like there's this like void that spans <laughs> like five or six years of just like did i exist then i, yeah. I feel like i did i don't really remember but These are the google it but years. yeah like <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's certainly like a lot of like stuff out there on on youtube but like not not as much as now i mean it's just crazy like what you know yeah you can document everything now yeah like easily it doesn't it takes no effort whatsoever sure and you guys made, I mean, you guys have made some interesting, I mean, I think the first, the first time I heard Jaguar Love not on the actual record, but on another medium was on Henry Rollins' show on KCRW. And, uh, oh, yeah. he, he plays you guys all the time. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you've got some interesting fans too. I mean, that come out and you guys played on the Henry Rollins show too. I saw that yeah. performance. That was insane. Yeah. I was like, I can't, well, you're like, Meeting him and meeting Gee and the fact that like, you know, I know I I know this person that was like a fucking god to me when I was in high school. Like, yeah. I at the time it didn't seem that weird, but now that I you know, with perspective, I'm like that was fucking insane. Yeah, like, like I can't. I can, you are so lucky to be able <laughs> to do that. Like, you spent like two months with Gee Picciotto, um, like making a record together, like. Yeah. What the fuck? That's insane. Um, yeah. And was, yeah. So we got to meet Henry Rollins, like, um, which was amazing. Like that's like when, when people ask, like, you know, to hear the band, but have no like perspective of, of like what we did, that, that, that footage is what I show them. Like, yeah. I feel like that was the best, the best TV thing that we ever did. Yeah. Um, I love the intro. What a fuck or what a important fucking racket these guys make or yeah. whatever. I was yeah. laughing out yeah. loud at work. He was, he was just such a down to earth dude and like yeah. you know, it's it's just it was great. It was really it was really I was felt very like humbled. Oh, dude, you gotta get into podcasting, man. Like that I've had Ian Mackay and Mike Watt and uh just Brendan Canty from Fugazi is on next week. You, oh, nice. you can talk to these people for an hour and ask them anything you want. It's 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 beautiful, <laughs> you know, kind of like what you're yeah. saying, where it's you know you you spent months with these people that you looked up to, you know, whether it was in high school or now or or forever, you know, like it's such an interesting medium, you know. And I'm so glad yeah. you came on and and it's your first one. That's awesome because I uh, yeah totally. And you know. Us knowing, like knowing of each other from a distance, well, me knowing of you more of a, from a distance, you know, where, uh, you know, I'm buddies with Rudy, but not with Mark. Like it was always like one mm -hmm. bit of separation where, um, mm -hmm. it was still mysterious. And getting to spend right. an hour with you on the phone and just you know picking your brain and stuff, it's it's fascinating. And and I, 
you know, I really appreciate the time and, and, uh, you know, just being open about stuff. And, you know, I know it's always fun talking about old times and everything else. And, and I didn't know how into that you'd be. And, and this is all just kind of a conversation. It's more, yeah. more that than an interview, you know, and it's something that's, you know, documented and people can go and listen to it whenever and, and, uh, you know, take from what they will or, or have it make their, their commute to work a little easier or, you know, it's just <laughs> kind of a cool thing, but there's literally no yeah. rules. Yeah, and uh, definitely. if you get some free time, I would look into doing it, man. If you, you're very well spoken and, and have a lot to say and, and uh, an interesting story to tell. And I'm sure, you know, plenty of interesting people that would love to come on with you, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's definitely, I've definitely thought of it yeah. before. You can still be creative so. and, and do that. And, and uh, I'm not sure if you, <laughs> I was thinking about this today, uh, how often working at Netflix and stuff, doing code and stuff, how often you feel like you're actually inside that laser life video where, where, uh, I think that's the one with all the computers and everything where the, the cables are starting to wrap everyone up. Oh, and everything. Right. And <laughs> if you ever feel like you're living it for real now, but, uh, no, yeah. dude, working at Netflix is, is like, I mean, it's not as good as being in a band, but like, um, it's a, fucking close second it's oh, that's awesome. amazing it's like, like working it's, for pixar or something with all the skateboards and I, everything <laughs> it's it's like i don't even want to talk about it yeah it's, it's, it's killer it's like just it's great awesome well you're in a good spot you're happy where you're at you're working a job you love you have your kids you have your wife you're happy with where you're at that's the i mean that's the ultimate goal i mean i really yeah. uh I, that's really inspiring and i'm i'm really glad to hear it and uh like I say, man, yeah. I, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. We've been on for an hour and 20 minutes, and, and uh, you know, I've had a blast, yeah, well, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been time. great. It's been really so, great. Thanks for thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Johnny Whitney from Blood Brothers. I had a great time chatting with him, getting the story on, on Blood Brothers, how they got together, what ended the band, the stories in between. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We got a lot of guest requests uh, for Johnny, so I hope you guys are listening. Um, I tried to send out the emails back to people that had emailed me to get him on, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. So that was his first podcast interview. Glad to be the first for him, and uh, he's doing some cool shit. So uh, glad to see him doing well. Anyways, so I wanted to make sure you guys go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up, sign up for any of the tiers, help the show out, get some merch. We've got merch up in the store. Go to peerpleasurepodcast.com, hit the store link, and check that shit out. We've got shirts, we've got stickers, we've got hats, all sorts of rad stuff. So I really appreciate you guys coming out week after week and listening to the show. Definitely tell a friend, pass it along, share a link, share it on Facebook, share it on socials. Just share it anywhere you can. We definitely appreciate it, and we definitely appreciate you guys. So next week we got more awesome stuff coming out uh, every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific. So definitely rate and subscribe on iTunes. Don't miss a beat. And as usual, we'll see you on the radio.
Hey, this is Blasco, host of Manage Mental, part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Manage Mental brings you our takes on the modern day music business and how we mentally approach the profession of management. Join Mike Mowry and myself as we cover hot topics in the industry, answer fan questions, provide insight on sales numbers, and showcase new music with a slant toward developing artists. Listen and subscribe at jabberjawmedia.com.